Welcome to the Serpent Soul Podcast, where we explore our identity before God and our relationship with God. I'm your host, Kenneth Grady, and I pray that we will be fed by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and living with passion for the will of God. And in so doing, may we raise each other up as we lay ourselves down before the Lord. This is the Servant Soul Podcast. So this week we're going back to the scriptures. And last week was really just mostly a testimony of how God's been working in my heart. And it's been good for me to be moved in the spirit the way that I have been by the people God has been bringing into my life. But I don't want to trail away from scripture and get lost in the experience of life. And so this week we're going to dig into a whole chapter of James because there is a message here that is both timeless and timely for us today. And the point that I want to focus on is how do we fight against evil in our world? And it seems like now especially, it feels like evil is closing in, and there is a lot of unrest in every quarter, and everyone is ready to jump into a cause for something and to try to speak out and say that they've had enough of whatever it is that's eating away at them. And as I get into this message, I, I want to make one point very clear, and that is I'm not opposed to resisting injustice, but there is a right way to fight and a wrong way to fight. And James 4 is a great place to start as we consider this conversation about how we are to handle this situation as Christians. So, I'm just going to read all the way through this once because this chapter is dynamite and it's a blessing to just soak this in for a minute. So James 4, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because ye ask not. You ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgeth another? Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, and do this, or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. 
all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So first of all, let's just rewind and start at the first of all. Where does all this strife in our hearts come from? And look at verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? The source is your lusts that war in your members. So the first question we need to ask ourselves before we enter into a spiritual battle, a relational battle, a political battle, whatever, is what is the reason I'm fighting this battle? Now, we might say that we're standing up for what's right, but that doesn't always give us a green light, does it? Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. And so you see, we see injustice in the world and we love to attack it. We have whole companies and organizations dedicated to eradicating evil through hunting it down and killing it at first sighting. And the problem with that approach is that it ignores the source. We are the source. And rather than fight the war against evil on our own turf, in our own soul, We satisfy our need for purpose by destroying all the evil we see in everybody else. And if we destroy them in the process, well, that's just the cost of war. And we don't have a real sense of who God is and just how exactly his system really works, because most of us don't really grasp the concept of avenge not yourselves. I guarantee you, if someone took your wallet or purse right now, the first thought in your mind is not going to be, God can handle this situation. No. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is one of those MMA moves that none of us can actually do, but tell ourselves we can if anyone ever tries to take what's mine, right? And I mean, I've got one mean imaginary roundhouse kick uppercut combo that would render any imaginary assailant immobilized should I not pull a muscle trying to kick him any higher than mid-shin. But again... I want to pause here and state that I'm not saying as Christians we're to be doormats for evil, but what I am saying is that God's word makes it very clear that our motives had better be in check. I think we could all meditate on this for a while and do some serious growing. I mean, how do we defeat evil? It's there in Romans 12. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. It also said there, It also said, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. So, (laughs) really imagine this with me. You're at your front door at night. And you're getting ready to unlock it and go inside. It's chilly. You're in a hurry. You're not paying attention. And just as you're about to go in, someone comes up behind you, slams you into the door, while grabbing your wallet and starts to take off down the street. What are the words that form on your lips? What is your heart level reaction? Is it stop, help, call the police? Or is it wait, come inside for some soup? <laughs> now, I say this partly in jest, but, but here's the point. Why do we care about what just happened? 
do we care that the person is doing evil in the world and we want to help there be less evil in the world? Or are we just mad because we have been wronged and we didn't get treated the way we wanted? Now, this is getting a little weird. I recognize that. And I'm coming off in a way that is unattractive to most of us and honestly uncomfortable for me as well. But I really want to explore this area of suffering and justice because it's really the biblical foundation on which the war on evil is built. I mean, example A, Jesus on a cross, a perfect man unjustly punished by unjust men. Now, if anyone had a right to stand up for himself, it was Jesus, but he didn't even let Peter stand up for him. Remember when Peter cut off the soldier's ear when Jesus was arrested, but Jesus stopped him and said, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish by the sword. Jesus didn't need Peter to fight off the bad behavior of others with a sword in the name of honor. And as men, I think, a lot of us grieve that. We'd much rather go blaze a trail of justice than to serve and love and let God win the war. But Jesus wanted Peter not to spread God's judgment on evil by his own hand but rather to spread God's love and forgiveness by his testimony. And that's enough on that. I I want to transition here to the next point. My goal is not to have the Christian church be a bunch of weenies. I'm just laying some groundwork because let's, let's get back to James 4. From whence come war and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of the lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And that's all about the source of our wars and the state of our hearts. And we've talked about that. And now I want to look at the next part, what we can do to fight evil, how we do wage war with evil. Starting in verse 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You want to take a shot at injustice, at evil? Submit to God. It says resist the devil. It doesn't say resist people we don't like. Resist anything we disagree with. Resist unfair treatment. Resist things we don't understand. Resist things that are unfamiliar. It says resist the devil. That's it. Nothing more. And can the devil utilize any number of those things to cause us trouble? Absolutely. But we must be extremely specific and careful in what we label as Satan and his work, or we can far too easily assume that we have the biblical right to war against anything that feels out of place to us. And resisting the devil was about honoring God, not preserving self. If it was about preserving self, then Daniel would never have been in the lion's den. Joseph would never have been in prison. Moses would never have went back to Egypt, and Jesus would never have died on the cross. Only when we first submit to God 
Can we resist the devil in a way that is pleasing to God rather than being double-minded? If we attempt to resist the devil but aren't submitting to God, then we really are just being double-minded as it says. We are trying to fight the evil of others around us for the benefit of our ideals without being willing to fight the evil in our own heart. And this is why the word hypocrisy rings so true in the Christian church. If we fail to include submission to God in our resistance to evil, then we just fail. It's that simple. We just fail. We want to fight evil in the streets? Well, then stop trying to catch our neighbor dealing drugs so we can get him arrested and start catching our lustful thoughts about his girlfriend. Stop trying to catch our coworker taking five extra minutes on the lunch break and start catching our prideful thoughts about our work ethic. Stop trying to catch someone else in a lie and start catching our feelings of self-importance that makes being lied to so hurtful. Stop trying to catch sin in every place and every person we see and start catching opportunities to spread love and grace and mercy. We start fighting evil in ourselves and we'll start seeing the power of evil in those around us fall far short of the power of God. And I want to close out with some thoughts on verses 9 and 10. And if you hear nothing else, then lean in for this last piece, because I think these two verses, if applied, would completely transform the way most of us face evil on a daily basis. It says, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So what does God's word say we should do when we're afflicted? Be afflicted. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Why are we so caught up on how do we make things right? How is God going to make things right? How do we hold others accountable? The word says be afflicted. And that is so completely foreign to us and totally bred out of our way of thinking in society today. Why is that so hard for us? Because we aren't willing to be humble enough to let God take vengeance in his time. We want the satisfaction of seeing everyone else get what they got coming to them. We want to laugh and we want the joy of seeing everything work out fair and even and justly for us in our own little lives. The Bible says, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. I want to close with James three sixteen and 17, which says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Amen. Thanks for listening. And until next time, May we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen.